Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 896 with Steph Sellers. We did do breakfast and lunch and dinner. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yep. With a turbo chef and a prep table. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So um, it was it was crazy. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Margin Edge. With Margin Edge, you can track food and labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. And who likes data entry? No one. So you'll be thrilled to hear that there's no more data entry with Margin Edge. They will save your team hours and paperwork by automating your invoice processing with line item detail. Don't worry about tech integration either because Margin Edge allows you to seamlessly connect your POS and accounting systems and get a daily P&L. And on top of all of this, Margin Edge enables you to digitally manage your inventory and recipes. Plus, you can compare actual costs versus theoretical costs. Head to marginedge.com slash unstoppable to sign up for a free demo. And when you use that link, you can try Margin Edge for free for 30 days. No contract, no setup fee. Plus, you'll get free unlimited training and support. That's marginedge.com slash unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission-free online ordering system and food ordering app helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering, and this is because Chow Now helps their restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. With Chow Now, take unlimited commission-free orders through Chow Now's app and site, and there are no setup fees or monthly payments. And what I really love about Chow Now is that you get to own your customer data. This is something not all third-party ordering apps can claim. And when you schedule a demo, don't forget to ask about leveling up with Chow Now Direct, Chow Now's comprehensive online ordering and marketing package. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy 30% off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up today at chownow.com slash unstoppable. That's chownow.com slash unstoppable. Now, I know you know about Plate IQ, but do you know about Plate IQ's new spend management feature? Okay, let me tell you about it. Plate IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Plate IQ card. With Plate IQ card, there's no credit check, no minimum bank balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card issued easily. And I've got to tell you that with Plate IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. And you cannot forget that Plate IQ still offers bill pay, incredible insights, and custom approval workflows. To learn more, head to plateiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you can save 25% off implementation. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, founder of Cookies and Dreams, Steph Sellers. Are you feeling unstoppable today? So unstoppable. Yes, I'm feeling <laughs> unstoppable. I cannot wait to dive into your story. I know you've got a lot of 
things happening in your life right now. New spaces, new restaurants opening, new babies in your life. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sure we'll talk about that later as well. (laughs) Um, So many things to cover today, but I cannot wait until we, uh, we can't get there until we share your success quarter, your mantra. So what do you got for us? Um, so my success quote or mantra, I guess it's not like the sexiest one or like the most romantic, but it's just, there is no secret. Keep going. There is no secret. Keep going. And that's so true. I can't stand it when I hear people say the secret to this is this. And there's no secret. There's no secret. I'm right. I'm right there with you. Just keep going. But what else is it just keep going? Or is there more to it? For me, it's just keep going because yeah. I just think that no matter what, if you just have to keep moving forward, like you always get really caught up in what's my tip or trick for this or the trick to getting more followers, the ultimate tip to get more, increase your revenue or whatever. And ultimately like those can be valuable, but you can get so caught up in that. You just have to keep going, know what you're good at and know what your secret sauce is because we all have our secret sauce, right? Yeah. Um, so, and keep going. Like it's very, very simple to me when you take away all of that excess, then it's just, you have to keep going because it's so hard. Sometimes you just don't want to. <laughs> so especially when I do multiple interviews in one day, like my conversations that I had and that, especially when we're doing like six or eight in a week, the other conversations I have are so fresh in my head and we just got done with Jack, um, Piper, Jack Piper from Jimmy Jacks. Uh, you, you must have heard the name Jimmy Jacks, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yep. Uh, he he was echoing a very similar sentiment of basically like you just got to like constantly push, constantly evolve, and push outside of your comfort zone. And he also said that you, if when you're so scared and you're I don't know, you're so busy, you don't have time to be afraid. Right? Yeah. You're just going. Yeah. I kind of feel like there's a little bit of that echoing in this, this quote. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Awesome. And awesome. I'm, I'm always been a runner and that's always been like my mantra with running too. It's like, it's really hard and you want to quit and you don't want to do this anymore. You don't want to finish your run. You don't want to keep going. And, uh, but you just, you have to keep yeah. going. Awesome. Great way to get this thing started. So where does it make sense to start sharing your story? Cause you started this as a hobby. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Yeah. Um, actually I, this can like go way, way back to little mini Stephanie (laughs) as a child baking with my babysitter when I was young. And that was like our activity that we would do together. And we would enter stuff in the local 4-H competition, you know, here in Iowa, that's a big deal around here. So, um, we would enter in cookies and brownies and little baked goods in the 4-H competition. And that was what really gave me the foundation for baking and for anything food related at all. Um, my mom and dad weren't really big cooks, aren't really big cooks or bakers. So, um, my Mimi is, is who my babysitter was really was. And so she taught me the foundations and the basics and it kind of led me down a, like a place of comfort and Later on, as I grew up and grew older and through college, that's what I would do when I just needed to blow off some steam, you know, get your hands dirty get a little, a little bit. action in there. 100%. Yeah, I love that. So what did you go to school for? Were you working in, did you ever like pick up a part-time job while you were in school or anything in restaurants or? Not in restaurants. I did work at a pizza place when I was in high school okay. <laughs> and that was my first taste of restaurants. And then I majored in marketing in college Okay. Um, because I thought, well, we're all marketing something. So yeah, I think... <laughs> 
I, I love it when I see people who enter into the restaurant industry from different verticals and you definitely see, you see a lot of engineers because they have oh, to create like, like the systems and processes to run a business and they get that early on. Sure. But marketing is another big one because you got to put yourself out there. You got to promote yourself. I right. mean, half the time, half the battle is just being hurt in this yeah. noisy world. Right. 100%. So hopefully we can pull back some layers on that. Um, so you graduate college. Mm-hmm. What's going on in your life? Are you still cooking? Are you are you thinking to yourself, I'm going to make cookies and market cookies? Is that the goal? Um, I was doing a lot of baking on the side, a lot of cupcakes and cakes. I was like obsessed with Cake Boss, like a total <laughs> fangirl, like total, totally obsessed. That's a date you. Can we timestamp this? I mean, <laughs> sure. <laughs> this was like uh, 2010. Okay. Yeah, 2010. So um i mean like i saw cake boss live like i was obsessed so i was really into that and i got my very first job out of college which was at wells fargo okay um because i thought yeah i'm gonna be this business person and um be in finance my parents are in finance and that seemed like the logical were you in marketing for what wells fargo or just the the it was um finance it was um it was at like a Wells Fargo financial location. So um, my parents were in finance and I thought, well, that makes sense. That's what I'm supposed to do yeah. then. And I was at that job for three weeks and they laid off the entire Wells Fargo financial staff. When was this? Like 2010, 2012? 2010. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was like at the tail end of feel like the recession was still kind of it was lingering like, at this point. I want to yeah. say. Yep. Yeah. It was like the very like last finale yeah. of that recession. So it was there for three weeks. They laid us all off and I was like, well, what now? Like, that kind of screwed everything up. So before you get into what happened next, I feel like we kind of skipped right over your, one of your big mentors, your influencers, Mimi, right? Yeah. Mimi. So <laughs> what, aside from how to cook, how to bake, did she play any other significant role in your life? Do you think as far as how to be, how to act, how to, was she more than just a, a babysitter? And a, Oh a, yeah. What, She's like a member of the family. <laughs> awesome. So what, what do you think that she instilled in you to this day that's serving you in your business? Um, in my business, really just the quality and like not skipping steps. Like she would be very specific. Like this is how you measure flour and you always have to get all of the batter out of the bowl. Um, and she would let me lick the beaters, of course, because it's the best part. It's the best part. (laughs) Yes. Um, and so she taught me those basics and those foundations, which without those foundations, you don't have anything. Um, and patience, (laughs) she has great, great patience, which of course you would have to as a babysitter. Wait, so, so are you measuring by weight or by volume when you were first starting out? When we, I was first starting out, it was by volume. Um, but that was part of, I guess, the reason why it was like, you have to be very specific. And back then you'd have your cup and you'd have your knife and you'd like chop the flour on top of the, um, cup and then you'd scrape it off and then you'd have like the specific way that you would pack the brown sugar. And now I've since gone to weight measurements, but those foundations of like, you have to get your measurements right have definitely stuck with me. And I think that's why I've gone down the baking route so much. Yeah. But I was going to say, I would have been super impressed if like your nanny was breaking out at the scale and you're measuring out to the gram. I was like, nanny is teaching you some early lessons. Maybe in like 50 years when I'm the nanny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anything else that she taught you that you think are, you know, is relevant to do today's conversation? Um, I mean, she was like a grandma to us and to me and my brother. So, 
Um, she just meant so much to us in our lives and um, was there for us, did all kinds of activities with us Got and it. just taught us how to enjoy things like that where uh, we would have otherwise not had that experience. Got it. Okay. So let's fast forward back to 2010. You get a job in finance, Wells Fargo, you get laid off after three months of being there. Three weeks. Three weeks. Three even weeks. worse. Yeah. Uh, like, here's your p- first paycheck. Here's your severance check. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, what, I mean, what was going on through your, like, did you still want to do finance after that or did you still pursue finance? No, I thought uh, this, this kind of sucks. Like I'm, that's not my, my jam. Like I'm not into that. So I started selling cupcakes at the farmer's market. Okay. (laughs) I love this though. Uh, Like seriously, like I would advise anybody who's looking to start a business, especially if it's one thing really well, if you're putting your energy into like, whether it's cookies or cupcakes, I mean, you're doing your focus is cookies now. That's safe to say. Yes. Correct. So, but you did other things, but just getting out there, right? So, um, what made you like, did you get a piece of advice? Was this all on your own as a hobby? Like what made you do this? It was all on my own. Actually. I just, I thought cupcakes were really popular and I got really, really into all of the really cool designed cakes, like on cake boss and stuff (laughs) and, um, and all the different fun flavors. And I was, obsessed like every living breathing moment was just like searching for new recipes thinking of new ideas practicing things like at this point in time i was still living at home because you know laid off my job right out of college there's no shame in living at home by the way i feel like there's a lot of like stigma associated with that it's only in western culture that you really see that people move out as soon as they can you go to other parts of the country the world and it's very usual to stay at home for your entire life and it's much more communal that way but anyway i'm no pressure i'm not judging (laughs) keep going yeah so um my mom just loved that i had cakes and cupcakes and everything in the kitchen all the time making a mess all the time bless her heart for (sighs) allowing me to do that in her kitchen for all of those years but um i just every waking moment i was just researching and that was the biggest thing what were you researching i was researching flavors. I was researching what other companies and other businesses were doing. This was right kind of when Instagram started to become popular. And so this was like this new thing and food bloggers started to be popular. So then I was researching, how do I take pictures? And you had your marketing background on top Mm -hmm. of this. So you, I'm clear, like there's a kind a trend of like, coming, not yeah. trend, but like you can see that there's a recipe for success here. Right. Sure. Uh, so what was your vision at this time? What were you Putting yourself back into that 2010 version of yourself, are you thinking like I'm going to scale this? I want to become. I want a cake company. Like what? What was the dream then? The dream then was to have this like cake company that was kind of like you know what Cake Boss does or or yeah. something like that where it had. Um, I'm actually desserts. not even sure what Cake Boss does. I'm being <laughs> completely honest. Like I know I, I know he exists, but I never got into the show. What is he? He has his, his cake. Shop. Yeah. So he, and back then he only had, I think just his one cake shop. So it was just like a corner bakery in New Jersey and they had all different pastries, cakes, cupcakes, cookies, all kinds of goodies for sale. And then they would take orders for special designed cakes and cupcakes and all that good stuff. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to like be able to have all of these really delicious, fun desserts for the public, but also do the fun wedding cakes and birthday cakes that 
look like purses and cars and so it's almost like you you have your front of house retail counter where you're serving like the grab and go stuff right you also have the catering essentially in the back of house that focuses on the wedding special events and things like that exactly that was your goal that was your vision that was my vision starting out yeah and um and it it you know shifted over time but that was my vision starting out for sure that's like 100% 100% what I wanted to do. So when did you see yourself in 2010 being at that point? Um, I wanted to be able to get to that point, I would say, in the next like two years from there, from okay. then. So 2012, you wanted to have your first brick and mortar. Right, and yes. What was your strategy from, from farmer's market to brick and mortar? What was your strategy? Honestly, back then I didn't have a strategy <laughs> <laughs> because I was... 22 and had no idea what I was doing and I was doing it all on my own. I didn't have any mentors. I didn't have anybody that I knew that had done this before, especially in the food industry. So I was kind of flying blind and just like, I really like cakes. But I mean, there's also (laughs) like, I feel like when you're, when you're, when you don't have a lot of uh, skin in the game in the sense of like, you're not throwing 500,000 down on a new location and you keep the liabilities low, and you're just, you're doing farmer's markets and you're cooking for friends. Like that's the magic, you yes. know? And like, that's where the good stuff is. What happens when you can start like that? I'm, that's where I feel like I've never left, honestly, is like, that is where I always strive to be is like, what this, do you mean by that? Where you never, like we, we never left. Like all of this is growing so much, you know, cookies and dreams and we have these restaurants and stuff and it's all growing so much around me. And, but ultimately I've never left where it's about the quality of the product, the passion, mm. the creativity, and nothing else matters to me. Like growing the businesses, having all of these locations and everything. Obviously, that's great from a business perspective. Obviously, that's great to be able to share the product with more people. But ultimately, my passion is like in the product, in the craft. Yeah. So and one of the things like in doing all these interviews, like you hear lots of advice from different people that contradict each other. Right. And like one of those things is like, if you're not growing, you're, 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 you know, uh, if you're not growing, you're dying, I think is the the expression I heard. Right. Sure. Which is, there's truth to that. But at the same time, there's truth to, you don't want to grow too fast, right? You want to grow, you want to stay in your sweet spot. You don't want to overextend and have your, your, your liabilities outweigh your assets. Right. 100%. But I, I think what you've done is you found this balance to stay in the sweet spot of where you don't overextend. What's been your secret to that? Um, actually my husband. Okay. <laughs> so my husband and I are complete, complete opposites. Like, so you can't get more opposite than we are. And I'm the one that's, like I said, like, this is about the craft. It's about the product. Like I'm not willing to sacrifice the quality or the product or the integrity of any of that under any circumstances. And he's like, let's open a hundred cookie stores tomorrow. (laughs) And, and so we have to balance each other quite a bit. Um, and that's really my secret, honestly, which I think is a good point about surrounding yourselves with the right people. Um, that is such a big deal that I can't even tell you how much of a big deal that is. Um, so that's, that's been the biggest trick, I guess. You just mentioned your husband. What's, what's he bring to the table? Other than pressure to scale. (laughs) Other than pressure to scale. um, My husband is the best problem solver that I've ever met in my entire life. Okay. So um, I have this story about our restaurant, actually, that 
will be burned into my memory for as long as I live. Um, it was our first, our second year in business, second ever Mother's Day brunch, and we had just implemented open table on um, in the restaurant for taking reservations. So Mother's Day comes around and it's busy, everything's going great. Well, somebody had not been utilizing open table. Our entire restaurant was booked twice for Mother's Day brunch. And I completely like panicked because obviously like that's you're gonna ruin Did you all sell the- out twice? Like, yeah, like, like oh the entire restaurant was booked twice. And I was like panicking and I'm like, oh my gosh, like Bill, this is a problem. This is a major, <laughs> major, major problem. And he just handled it. Like no questions asked, just handled it. Everybody was happy. We made it through. It was a great day. Just handled it. How how did he handle it? To this day, I don't really know, <laughs> honestly. But he also has great customer service skills mm. and talks to people very, very, very well. So he has a really great sense of making um, a bad situation good in somebody else's eyes. Paint the picture of how he was during that day, how he was talking to the guests. He was very understanding, very like, we're idiots. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And understandably, um, and just really helped the guests like, okay, we're going to do anything and everything that we can do to make this right. You're going to have to maybe wait a little bit longer, but here have some mimosas, have some pastries. We had a bakery in the restaurant, so we have pastries and stuff to give the guests. And we, um, so we brought in tables and chairs from the bar next door because they weren't busy at yeah. 10 o'clock in the morning. So we sat people over there and brought people over here. And he, in a bad situation, in like a chaotic moment, he's the calmest person I've ever met. Yes. And that's what I was going to get at. Like when it comes to customer service, and I wanted you to paint that picture and you did a great job. <laughs> if you lose your shit and like you're stressed out and you're miserable, you're clearly miserable. Mm-hmm. That's like skunking. Everyone else is going to come to that same place as you. Yep. If you're just like, huh. <laughs> like uh, we're here this, right. this happened and i'm so sorry what can i do to make it right but i'm still happy right and this is going to be a great time like yep. you can you have to be mindful of that energy that you're putting off like because you can totally like people are going to they're, they're going to meet you where you're at mm-hmm. and as long as you admit guilt and that you clearly right. show people that you intend to do everything you possibly can to give them you're going to win them back you know yep. like, like that stuff's really important you did a really great job at explaining and show, painting that picture so let's take let's zoom up to 30,000 feet right now because we're talking about farmers markets and your dream to open a bakery <laughs> and then you just mentioned you're 2 years into owning a restaurant where right. the hell are we like let's <laughs> what happened that's true yeah so um fast forward like many many years actually okay um i ended up so we're at the farmers market back in 2010 2012ish and baking cupcakes making wedding cakes making princess cakes and cakes. princess cakes oh pr- you wouldn't believe how many <laughs> princess cakes i never want to make another princess cake as long as i live um car cakes cakes that look like purses and houses and like all kinds of crazy stuff um it was fun it was a lot of work i was doing it all on my own and I did end up having a brick and mortar, but it was more of a studio bakery. So I still just took the orders, like the catering side of things. When did that brick and mortar come into play? I want to say about 2012. Okay. So you made your goal, your two-year goal. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Um, and then you had your brick and mortar. And 
I'm sorry, did you say you were just doing cakes at that time? Still cupcakes and um, cakes, cupcakes, I mean, all kinds of desserts. Um, I made cakes for a a bunch of local restaurants as well. So a little bit of everything. Like wholesale and basically catering. Yep. Okay. Pretty much. But that's where you're going to make your money anyway. Yep. Right. Is there a reason why you stayed away from the other stuff? Because I knew that what I was doing was better money. <laughs> yeah, but there's a little, how did you learn that? Like, did somebody teach you that or did you just learn through trial and error? Um, I really just did the math and just like, if I have to be open all the time or various hours, you know, seven days a week, five days a week, whatever it happens to be, then I'm going to have to sell this much, which at the location that I was at, I didn't feel was possible. And I wasn't with it just being me. Yeah. I was too overwhelmed and too inexperienced to understand how to take it to the next level from there. So I didn't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing is knowing what you're good at mm-hmm. and staying in your lane. And sure. And uh, I mean, I think I'm reading between the lines uh, kind of a little bit. Um, but you said that you, you, you knew how much more work it was going to be. And I think people don't, they underestimate how much more work it is to have the storefront, uh, to hire people, to there's a, that whole other layer on top of catering is a full time job. Oh yeah, you know. Yep. And where was your heart at this time? Um, it was still you know in like the craft of the product and the creativity. And when I didn't have orders or like I had a slow weekend, I was still just as busy, just practicing, making cakes, making things for pictures, making things for the window. You know, you had the big window where you had all your fun cakes and stuff on display. Yeah. Um, still doing research like a mad woman. That was always what I was doing in any free time that I had. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's my, that's where my heart still was. And I feel like in this vertical that allowed you to do this, your passion, you have fewer clients so you can put more energy into doing a few things really well instead of trying to be everything to everyone at once. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, any lessons during this two years from farmer's market to first brick and mortar, things you had to find out the hard way, things that people who are in the farmer's market right now with a goal to open a brick and mortar, you wish you knew that you had to find out? Um, I would say, I think just kind of going back to know what you're good at and be specific on what you're going to offer and have boundaries because it's really easy. You're going to get all kinds of people. Well, can you make this that's gluten-free or can you make this that you've never made before you know what you should do always love that you know what you should do and everybody wants to be an expert in your business and what you're good at and when you're first starting out you're like oh yeah well i should do that absolutely the the people are saying what i should do i should listen to them yeah you become a yes lady yeah you just say yes to everybody yeah don't do that (laughs) (laughs) uh so uh you said having boundaries so it basically knowing what you want what your passion is what you what you know you're good at and saying no to the distractions that people come to you and you're like that's not me yeah and being okay with saying no but maybe what what's a good way to say no um i would just say like we would get a lot of requests for gluten-free stuff of course and to say unfortunately we don't offer that at that time or you can say 
for me personally, I offered a flourless chocolate cake that I said, this isn't certified gluten-free, but it's flourless. I can offer you that. But unfortunately, I can't offer anything else at this time. Um, you don't really have to overthink it, in my opinion. Don't yeah. overthink it. Don't because, apologize either. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you're, just, you're doing them a favor. Right. You exactly. want me to make you a gluten-free cake? All right. It's not going to be good. <laughs> right. But you can give me your money. Like You don't want to be that person. Exactly. Uh, a lot of what other people have done in the past when they get requests, um, and, but they want to have a good name and still be of service. They say, I don't do that, but I have this person in my network who is exactly who you're looking for. Totally. So just being even that person to help that person that reaches out to you to connect, you're going to, they're going to remember that. And yeah. when they do need cookies or cakes that aren't gluten free, they're going to remember and come back to you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's um, a great point. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, thank you <laughs> um, so where, where do you want to take the conversation next? We, is there anything we've missed during this period between 2000, 2012 before opening your restaurant? Um, I don't think so. I mean, eventually I um, closed this bakery to try my hand at finance again um, because I was so burnt out from baking. I was like, I'm never baking again. I hate this. This is awful. And um, that that didn't work out. Long story short, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> so you, you opened this restaurant with your husband. Was mm-hmm. that right? Did you cl- so you closed the bakery 2012? 2014 14. ended up being, yeah, 2014. Okay. Um, ultimately, what was it that you think m- made you make this decision to, to close? And there's no shame in closing. I think that mm-hmm. it's a definitely, like, we, we hear all the time, fail forward, right? Like, yeah, yeah. How many times do people have to close a business to start a new one to mm-hmm. finally find what works? So, yeah, totally. Um, but it, Take that that original thought. Like, what did you? What was like the the nail in the coffin for you with this first business? What was it called, by the way? It's called the Sweet Life. The Sweet Life. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, I I think it was just it was just me doing everything for so many years, and then also not understanding and realizing how to balance that. Where I just was going a thousand miles per hour. 24 seven that I just burnt myself out Mm. that, and that's easy to do when you are passionate, when you're starting out, um, and you don't take care of yourself and you don't focus on like who Stephanie is beyond cakes or cupcakes Mm -hmm. or whatever it happens to be. So that's really easy to do. And so then I, I ended up having this like hatred of it. I was like, I didn't want to answer my phone. Mm. I didn't want to turn on my oven. It was like this visceral reaction to, baking that I was like, I can't, I cannot do this anymore. Yeah. So, uh, so if you could go back in time, 2014 and give that version of yourself advice, what would it be? I would still say, take, like, I would still tell myself, like, take a break. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta find it again. Take a break. There's nothing wrong with that. Would there have been anything different prior to closing? Maybe like a year before closing or two years when you opened that you would have done differently? Um, knowing what I know now, I would have hired help. Um, but I would have, I tried to hire people back then, like one or two people just a couple days a week. Um, but I didn't know how to manage them and I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to make that work and how to teach them what I knew. And that was, and so I always felt like getting to the next level was impossible because I didn't know how to teach them what I knew creativity like creatively so um so ultimately I was like well I don't know how to get to the other side I don't have anybody I didn't have a mentor or anything at the time so and I 
am so burnt out, I just didn't see another option. So what was your husband doing before this? Was he working in restaurants too? He actually owned a salon and spa in Denver, Colorado, which if you've met my husband, he's like this really big burly tattooed guy that (laughs) (laughs) helps me pick out shampoo. (laughs) Busted. Yeah. (laughs) So, Uh, so he was working, so he was business. He's an entrepreneur himself. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And during this period, I mean, he wasn't, so this is, I'm assuming he was, when did he come to Iowa? He came to Iowa, um, later in 2000 and, 14 i think okay, so yes. like shortly before i close okay so yeah. you at this point you hadn't crossed paths you closed your business um we crossed paths like shortly before i closed okay yeah and yeah um what what did you do after closing your business what, what was going on what did the, the life of steph look like i tried to work in finance with my parents um they're financial advisors and have their own practice okay um here in our hometown so they're keeping you busy yep and yeah. um but I very, very quickly learned that was not for me. <laughs> why, why wasn't it for you? Because you, not this time because you got fired. Right. That's why it didn't work for you last time. Yes. This time, why it didn't work? I just could not stand being at a desk at my computer and all of the red tape and all of like the paperwork and compliance and all of that stuff day in and day out and just like no creativity whatsoever no working with your hands yeah just answering the phone and filling out more paperwork and then calling a company to request more paperwork it was literally a nightmare (laughs) how long did you do it before you decided to throw your hat back in the ring um I did that for about four months and then I was like, I can't do it anymore. And then found myself in limbo for a few months until my husband, my husband and I, although then he was just my boyfriend decided to open a little cafe. Okay. So I think now's a good time to take our first break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back to talk about what happened differently the second time around. Today's episode is brought to you by Margin Edge, a software platform for restaurant people by restaurant people. To be successful in the modern age, you need to be efficient by streamlining your processes and creating automation. Simply put, Margin Edge means data streamlined and insights automated. With Margin Edge, you can track food and labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. And who likes data entry? No one. So you'll be thrilled to hear that there's no more data entry with Margin Edge. They will save your team hours and paperwork by automating your invoice processing with line item detail. Don't worry about the integration either because Margin Edge allows you to seamlessly connect your POS and accounting systems and get a daily P&L. On top of all of this, Margin Edge enables you to digitally manage your inventory and recipes plus Plus, you can compare actual cost versus theoretical cost. Find out why over 3,100 restaurants are thrilled to be using Margin Edge. Head to marginedge.com slash unstoppable to sign up for your free demo. And when you use that link, you can try Margin Edge for free for 30 days. There's no contract. There's no setup fee. Plus, you get free unlimited training and support. That's marginedge.com slash unstoppable. One more time, marginedge.com slash unstoppable. We're back and you just got to the point of your story where you close your first brick and mortar. Uh, You're trying to figure it out. You cross paths with your then boyfriend, now husband, and you start planning to open your second business, a cafe. Yes. 
take it from there. All right. So um, we are living in this cute little community here in Iowa. There's a little cafe at the end of the street and we would go there for coffee and for breakfast in the mornings. It was super cute. Well, one day my husband gets to talking to the owner and they said they're looking to move. And he said, well, can I buy your cafe? (laughs) And he said, yes. And then all of a sudden, in five minutes, we had a cafe. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> How did you feel about this? I was not excited, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, wow. But, I mean, I also, like, kind of bravo to your now husband. What's his name? Bill. Bill. Yes. Bravo to Bill to, to be someone's exit strategy, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. What was that deal? Did you guys get a good deal? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, um, break that down. Yeah, so it ended up just being we would pay him, I forget the sum of money, you know, a a sum of money over the course of like five years or something for the business. So we didn't have to come up with a lot of capital up front. We just kind of came up with a small down payment and then made an agreement to pay it over, I believe, five years or something with like a couple balloon payments or something. Um, which what's a, what's a balloon payment? It's when later on down the road you make a larger payment um, as more money comes in. Yeah. How yeah. do you come? How do you set those terms up? Do you remember? I think it was just kind of like off, at that point in time we didn't know what we were doing, so it was just like off the cuff, just like okay, we're going to pay you X number of dollars per month, and then in two years we're going to pay you an extra five thousand dollars or whatever it was, yeah. and then we'll do that at like you know three, four, and five years or Why something. Why is it important to do that? Um, the the lender, I guess, kind of likes that for the extra influx of money. And it, it takes also, years to get your business off the ground. Yeah. And also we, yeah, we kind of like that for the fact that we have lower payments up front and then can plan for those bigger payments down the road. Yeah. So, um, you had this conversation with the owners. You say, can we buy it? They say, yes. How much time elapsed from that conversation to when you own it and you're in, in it? And we're in it and operating. Yeah. Um, about four months, actually. This was a really small space. It what was, was the name of the cafe? Uh, Brew in the Village. Okay. Do you guys keep the brand and the name and everything, or do you change it? We changed it. Okay. Um, and, so and that's what you changed it to, Brew in the Village? Yep, okay. Brew in the Village. So it was very, very, very small. Like How small? Oh, um, like Square footage? Not even fifteen hundred square feet. Like, okay. does that include tiny. back of house and front yep. of house? Okay. The back of house was behind the bar. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> we had a Turbo Chef oven and a prep table. Nice. What and were you using the Turbo Chef for? So, what see, is a Turbo Chef? Let me ask you that first. It's like this really high powered convection oven that, like, you see in Starbucks and in subways yeah. to like fire up the sandwiches. Really, it's like a really hybrid. Quick. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Like a, it's a micro convection oven, a yeah. microwave convection oven. Right. So it, it warms the center and the outside. Right. And yeah. it gets nice and crispy and, um, not like the hot spots and stuff that yeah. microwaves <laughs> get. Yeah. So you're using convection or a uh, turbo chef and what else? Just a prep table behind the bar. Okay. Um, and then our cooler was in a closet in the back room, which we built using patio doors and an air conditioner. I was with, gonna say, did it ever overheat? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it. Um, so we found this contraption called a Coolbot online. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, no. but it's this little contraption that you wire into a window unit air conditioner. Okay. And it continuously tells the air conditioner that it's hotter than it is, so that it cools down to a cooler refrigerator temperature oh. so we just put a refrigerator cooler into or refri- refrigerator sorry 
mom brain, um, a window air conditioner unit into a closet that we put like some insulated patio doors on with the cool bot. And that was our cooler. Okay. And the health department allowed it, <laughs> is, <laughs> which is shocking. Did they do you a favor or is that something that you could get away with? Cause At theoretically time, what's important, like the right temperature, temperature. is the most important thing. Yeah. They kind of like raise their eyebrows at us. Like this is, we've have not seen this before, but <laughs> it's at temp. So I love that, that, that <laughs> hustle though. Cause it's like, don't tell me I can't do it. Like just say how. Yeah. And yeah. then your brain just kicks on. Oh yeah. You know, and you start getting creative and you solve problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's really been when there's, when you have no other choice, but to be creative to solve problems, that's when the magic happens. Yeah. You're yeah. forced into being creative because it's yes. either that or sync. Right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so what was on your menu? We had, um, we did do breakfast and lunch and dinner. So breakfast, lunch and dinner Yep, with a turbo chef and a prep table. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it was, it was crazy. Um, we had some really good sandwiches on the menu. We had flatbreads and then we had some really unique appetizers where we, at that point in time, charcuterie boards were just starting to be popular. So we had a charcuterie board, which was delicious and, um, some neat shareable appetizers that were easy quick can be prepared with a turbo chef and a prep table behind a bar and um we sold a lot of wine at night so it was like kind of like a wine and coffee bar yeah so yeah that's awesome so 2014 to when did that 2017 we sold it wow say 2017 yeah are you comfortable talking about numbers um if i can remember them (laughs) (laughs) so how much did you buy it for what what kind of profit did you make on on buying and then like rebranding uh you know driving business building the business do you remember how much you made on the the, from the purchase to the sell um i mean we bought it for very cheap like very very cheap like thirty thousand dollars or something jesus try to do that today yeah yep and then we sold it for Oh man, I'm trying to remember because I I feel like some of those things haven't been super important in my brain, so they just get pushed out by like brain dump, <laughs> cookie yeah, cookie recipes and like <laughs> yeah. all of that other stuff. Like there's not enough real estate, you know. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> so, um, but we sold it. We definitely sold it for quite a bit more, a few times over more. Yeah, um, good for you. So that was really really good. And um, the reason why we sold it is because of the new restaurant that was under construction. So the plan wasn't originally to ever sell it. But we sold it because of the restaurant, so, other restaurant. So there was another restaurant. What was so? What was the? When did this vision for the new restaurant come into? Um, it came into play when. So this is an interesting story, kind of. Um, it came into play. We were talking about our menu at Brew in the village, and we were thinking, you know, what we need to do? We need to be making all of our own breads, all of our own pastries, and all of this stuff. Like we have to get on that level. We're making all of it, and then we can start making it for other restaurants, and that can be another. line of revenue for our business and something that we can offer. So then we had this in our brain that we wanted to do this, found a location also in our little community. It's called the East village of Davenport. Um, and it originally was supposed to just be a bakery to make bread and pastries for our cafe. Well, it turned into a full blown restaurant and brewery and bakery, which is the restaurant that, we had so um i don't even know is that the how. restaurant that you double booked a mother's day yep okay yep <laughs> um so i don't even know how it got from like step one let's make some bread to 
like step two, let's have a full service restaurant with a brewery and a bakery. Um, like in hindsight, I, and my husband is very good at that of like not really understanding where you'll be having a conversation with them. And you're like, did I just buy something? Yeah. Like, <laughs> did I just agree to add a brewery to my bakery? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, how did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But I mean, reflecting back, when did, how long did you have this new location that you opened in 2017? Brew and um, we uh, just closed brew it. Brew in the Village Cafe. Um, so Brew in the Village we had from about 2014 to 2017. It's okay. still in business, just with different owners. Um, and then we opened Baked, which was the big restaurant, the okay. one that was double booked on Mother's Day, and Got the re- brewery bakery restaurant that was open in 2017. 2017. And you started cookie uh, Dreams and Cookies in 2020, right? Yes. So um, is Baked still going? As of today, no, but when the cookies were started, yes. Okay, so did you sell baked? We actually just closed it just this past year um, in the end of 2021. Okay, Um, so again, just like we've been doing, any lessons learned, things you know now that you wish you knew going into baked 2017, uh, things that you would have done differently after being five more years in business? Wow, so baked was like the... Um, masters in business lesson. Okay. What, were the, what were the master lessons? <laughs> oh my gosh. So we started baked. We're like, we're going to, we had this entire plan for the construction, for the menu, for all of these things. And it entirely just like went down the drain one thing after another, after another from ghost of bad construction past oh to various um, regulations and, and things with the city that we had no idea about because it was a change of use building rather than going from, you know, restaurant to restaurant. You don't have to abide by all of the same rules, I guess, with the city. So there was a lot that we learned with that. That was very, very, very expensive. A lot that we learned in terms of how to create a profitable menu, how to staff a place, how to um, set up a kitchen in the right way. And to be honest, we did all of that wrong. Every single thing we did wrong. If you could do it wrong, we did it. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to make you get vulnerable here, but I want you to know that this is where the best learning occurs. It's, okay. in, it's in living these things, learning these things, and paying forward your knowledge in mm-hmm. what you learned the hard way so the next generation can kind of avoid making the same mistakes. So you said, um, let's, let's start with the, the construction. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing what you know now about contracting out work, what didn't you do then that you would do now? Hiring a contractor that knows what they're doing. How do you know they know what they're doing? (laughs) Um, Somebody that's reputable, I think. Like, talk to your peers and see what other projects they've done in the past. And also, if you work with, like, a designer or something, somebody that has worked with other restaurants in terms of designing those or somebody that has worked in um, creating menus for a restaurant, like, you have to get other people to help you. I think the biggest thing is we try to do it all on our own. And we very quickly learned that we don't know what we're doing. Like yeah. you have to work together with other people, you know, get people's opinions and who did they work with? What went well? What didn't go well? And see yeah. who, who word works. of mouth is still the, in my opinion, the, the strongest, maybe not the most, I think it's the strongest form of marketing where yes. like it's the most trusted. Did you, do you enjoy your experience? Were they good to you? Were you happy with mm-hmm. the end of product? 
who are they? Give me more information. Absolutely. Right? Like that, to, in my opinion, still holds the most weight uh, for sure. So what about contracts? Was there anything in the contract that you could have added um, that you do that you didn't do then that you do now? I think back then we were using a lot of, you know, like our buddy is a contractor. Let's use him. Yeah. Um, and then he knows this guy that does plumbing. So let's use them. And so then there wasn't any contracts, which means there was no shake a hand. Yeah. yeah. So there was no expectations. There was nothing that, and I had just, I didn't know any better. I'd never done this before. Um, and so in the future it would all be very much like by the book. Let's mm-hmm. have a contract. Let's set expectations. Let's make sure that we both know what to expect, when, and how much it's going to cost. Yeah, and, and in what order. Yes. sometimes you get ahead of yourself and you're like, I'm going to be proactive and I'm going to put the tile down. Right. And then you realize that there needs to be an upgrade, like the, the plumbing's not to code. And then you got to pull up all the tile right. to get to the, like you just don't, you think you're being proactive. Right. And then you, in getting ahead of yourself, like mm-hmm. you, you paint yourself into a corner yes. and you got to do things twice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did that happen to you? Was there in a circumstance where you had to like do things twice? Um, the air conditioning in the building, um, we thought it was good to go. Like, yeah, we have an air conditioner in the building. It works great. Well, it didn't work great. Uh, and, um, here in Iowa, it gets to be like a hundred degrees in the summer and then you have all this kitchen equipment and everything. It was like 95 degrees in our dining yeah. room. What about this guy right here? Oh, yeah. Yep. That was fun, too. <laughs> run into issue too. Oh, so for those who aren't watching the video, we're sitting under a hood right now. Not in that location. But hoods always get people. People always seem to forget about the hood system. Yep. Mm-hmm. So did, did you run into any issues there? Or? Yeah. Yeah. And um some of that stuff is still a little bit over my head because my husband handles a lot of like the pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, handles a lot of that construction stuff, but I know when we put in a hood, we had HVAC people come in and they told us about all of this, like reuptake air stuff that I still don't know 100% what that is, but, um, and it is really stupid expensive and takes a ton of time and, um, pushes back your timeline a ton and now today in 2022 that pushed our timeline back here in this building that we're sitting in quite a bit as well i bet yeah uh, so the other things you mentioned were regulations uh how to build a profitable menu and staffing um which one of these is the one you out of these three options which one do you want to go into oh man i would say well there's there's so many things in each one of them. Um, well, let's pick two. Which are the yeah. two that you think you can Maybe speak? staffing and venue. Okay. So yeah. let's start with staffing. What did you do wrong then that you can identify now after five more years of business? Um, hiring enough people. Um, we didn't know. We didn't have an idea and we didn't know how to calculate like how many people do we think we need mm-hmm. um, for both front of house and back of house. Um, setting up expectations and um, job descriptions and training programs and everything for that staff. We just, we hired people with experience and we taught them about our menu, taught them what we were looking for, taught them how to use the POS system and how to make everything and, you know, whatever, how to function in our restaurant. But other than that, we just kind of let them be because we didn't know what we were doing. Like this was, it's looking back, I'm like, man, we were dumb for trying to do this. So like, <laughs> if you were to do it now, if you were to go into that restaurant, what process would you go through 
to hire or, to hire in onboard, we'll say. Um, so right now we have an entirely virtual onboarding system where everything is, um, you know, you're paid virtually essentially, and all of our scheduling is virtual on various apps or or what have you, and training programs we have that all set up. We have a you know you have so many days where you have to be in training before you're on your own. You graduate from yeah. from training and, and stuff like that. So we have an actual process for it now. Rather, before we were kind of just like flying by the seat of our pants. Here's a tour. Here's our menu. Let's memorize it. Let's go over, you know, this is how our schedule is, et cetera. Um, it was very much just like, um, you know, like a little like hole in the wall type of, type of place. It was yeah. kind of like that's how we ran it um, because we didn't know any better. So you said that you you basically digitally outsource onboarding, paying, and training. Is that all under one service, or is this multiple services? Multiple services. Do you mind sharing what those are? Yeah. So um, we have outsourced like almost everything here within Cookies and Dreams. Outsourced anything that we possibly can. So we have um, we've brought in Kelly who is a consultant with um, Femmes in Food. And she has really helped us to get to the next level, especially with me just having a baby and helping to implement a lot of these systems and apps. We use a scheduling app called Homebase. Um, We outsource our payroll to, um, uh, it's actually a local company, and they take care of all of our payroll and HR. So they all, we also outsource our HR and we outsource our accounting. And, um, do you know the name of the payroll on HR? It's called uh, total solutions. Okay. It's a local company and they are fantastic. They really are total solutions. They have all of these solutions. And you said you also do your training online too. We do have some of our training online. Um, which is still kind of in the works, um, not 100% done yet. We're trying to find the fine line between online training and in-person training. Okay. Um, where we want to be able to have a like digital footprint of where we're at in the training, but also like you can't teach somebody how to make cookies yes. online. So um, <laughs> we can talk after the recording because I have some. So I can make some suggestions. But yeah. what what are you? Where does your training live right now? Um, so, so much of it has been in under construction lately, um, because we've had to adjust some of our training, like what we were using before we decided like that was great to start with, but now our needs are different. Let's scratch it and start new. So a lot of that has lived on Google docs, honestly. And then from there we develop an outline or a training program and go make that to something that we can do in person. Yeah. In the past, we've also used Trainual, which I do love. Um, Trainual is a really, really cool platform, but we just haven't been able to get back to that system yet as we're rewriting some of these Got things. Got it. But I mean, I think what you're doing now is a good starting place. You yeah. you store all the content in Google Docs and then you link to the Google Doc like whether it's a video or a, a test or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. that's the document in in the framing of the training. Right. So you give them, a, I'm, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, you give them one document that is like, here's your training document. Mm-hmm. You go through it. Maybe it's 20 pages long. Right. And then there's links to different videos and tests. And um, is this kind of how you have that, it set up? That's how it was set up on Trainual, which oh, okay. I do love that for Trainual because then you have to like test out of various things like um, 
for food safety, you have to test out of it. And if you want to move on to the next level, or you have to test out of an oven safety training, if you want to move, or you have to show that you know how to use a fire extinguisher, like yeah. various things you gotta, like that. You gotta give them the training, give them the test and prove, have them prove to you right. that they know what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then, um, for that works really good on some of those things like food safety and like oven safety training and stuff like that. But in terms of teaching people, having them test out of, yes, I understand this recipe and I know how to make it. That is a lot harder to do online. So we really just have, we do that in person and we record that. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So lots of great lessons you're dropping on us. Um, the only thing we haven't talked about as far as what you were, what you do now that you didn't, what you know now that you didn't know then was menu engineering profitable menu. So just give us like one or two nuggets because I want to get to dreams and cookies. I want to make sure we spend the rest <laughs> of our time talking about dreams and cookies. Um, so I think, you know, we didn't really have a plan for who we wanted baked to be back then. So we relied heavily. I'm sorry, you didn't have a plan on what you wanted baked to be? Yeah. Like who, like the, the vision and the brand. Oh, the, for, sorry. That was the name of the restaurant. Yeah. Sorry. I was like, no, you're good. <laughs> that's a cool expression. Never. What does it mean? Right. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> um, so we, the menu kind of reflected that. Like yeah. we relied heavily on some chefs that we hired that then put their own spins on it that didn't align with what we wanted, but we had yet to define what okay. we wanted. I kind of felt like this might have been something that was going on, but like, it's weird cause I don't want to put things into your mouth or make suggestions sure. and like, or, or insult you and your husband. Right. <laughs> like, but like, I think that, um, you know, that's one of the things I didn't catch early on is that you didn't have a clear vision. Right. There were you, your husband, the the new chef you hired, the the people you were hiring to cook. If you don't have a clear vision on who we are, like a, a clear identity of who we are and where we're going, and this is what we got to do to get there, people start going in different directions because yes. they don't know, and they start they start to form their own vision, and then you have multiple different visions, and mm-hmm. it gets even worse. So, so basically, I mean, I think it's important to spell that out. Um, yeah. so thank you for getting into that. And yeah. uh, I was curious if that was something that you guys struggled in the past. Yeah. Well, I mean, 100% that that's been, you know, we, I think it was hard for us to come up with a clear vision because we were so multi-passionate about different things and that's great, <laughs> but in a business setting, not so great. And honestly, that's what led me into cookies. That's kind of was the catalyst, one of the catalysts that led me into cookies, that I was kind of sick and tired of going in all of these different directions and being frustrated that it's not working, that I thought, you know what, I'm just going to make cookies. So did then. you break off all together and say, hubby, this is your project. I'm going to do my own thing now. Um, so it was, I was kind of sneaky about it (laughs) because that's what my original plan was. Um, I was like, well, I'm going to make these cookies and then it's just going to be cookies. And like, imagine how much easier that will be rather than this restaurant in my head. I thought that, which in hindsight is laughable. (laughs) Um, but at the same time, there's some truth to that yeah it makes sense yeah Yeah. so um i thought well i'm gonna make these cookies and then it we were both surprised by how quickly and how well it took off so i thought well this is my this is my back door like this is how i can get out of going in all of these different directions because my husband although like i said he has so many strengths he also has very many passions yeah. and that would, I would say is his biggest weakness is that then he goes in so many different directions. Entrepreneurial ADD. Yeah. 100%. Guilty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I totally know what that's like. Sure. For sure. Uh, so 
I want to first correct myself. I've been saying dreams and cookies this entire time, and your your lovely right hand lady over here corrected me. Cookies and dreams. Thank you so much. I'm dyslexic. I mix things up all the time. That's okay. Uh, So cookies and dreams came into form around 2020 um, when you said, you know, I'm I'm kind of sick of all this craziness. I just want to focus on what I love to do again and just keep it narrow and focused. Um, So what in 2020 did you start doing differently than any other time to make cookies and dreams come to reality? Um, I started, so it started kind of in like November, December of 2019. I started playing around. I had this idea in the back of my mind. I'm like, cookies are a, are a thing. Like we, this could be a really big opportunity. Um, so I thought, let's I need to start thinking about this partly because I just saw it as a really cool thing that not a lot of people if very many people at all especially in our hometown are doing but also our chocolate chip cookies that we had on the menu at the restaurant were our best-selling item in the entire business followed by bush light because Iowa <laughs> um, so, so there's a little chip, bit of a hint there yeah yeah chocolate chip cookies and bush light um, so I thought these cookies like people love these cookies we have to capitalize on this yeah. and then I can get back to what we're doing we can focus it was like this perfect storm I had it like all planned out in my head so I started thinking of all these different crazy cookie recipes expanding on the cookie flavors that we're already doing stuffing them with things like cake balls or peanut butter or oreos or whatever and eventually i was like you know what i'm going all in on this and so i created this menu of 12 cookies and i was like this is what we're doing we announced it on social media and then i thought oh no what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said it. I can't go back now. I worry about that too sometimes, especially with a podcast. I'll say like, this is what I want to do. Then I'm like, thousands of people hear that and you're like, uh, I hope oh. this is the right move. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it seems like it's been the right move. So where, like, how did you, so you had this business going. Um, it's, it's, it sounds like it's doing well. You're, you're booking out twice uh, accidentally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. How do you keep that ball spinning keep that going that plate spinning i should say Mm -hmm. and then start a whole new thing it was very hard um i worked all the time um all the time and i did have a couple of people on the team that were like my right hand people that you know could we just we worked really well together kind of you know when you just click with somebody and you almost don't even have to like explain the vibe like you just kind of get it and you flow together and it's even when you're setting up a catering, it's like they're doing something before you even have to ask them to do it. Like that type of a vibe. And we had some people on our team that I did have that vibe with. So that worked out to kind of keep the ball rolling a little bit on both sides. Um, we were doing a lot of catering at the restaurant as well, which I took on. Um, I probably did not have a day off for like a year and a half. Like wow. <laughs> it was, it was a, t- a lot. It was but a I lot. think it's important to be brutally honest, to let people know right now, yeah. like two years, yep. a minimum. If you're lucky you and you got like, you're weird. You might be able to remove yourself from the business in one year, but realistic, realistically two years or five, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what yep. it takes. Um, so it's important to like, I think it's uh, part of my mission with this podcast is to talk people out of doing it. You know, like, yeah, if yeah. you're not truly passionate about this, like this is what it's going to take. Are you on board with that? Right. You know, yep. um, but you were on board and you made it happen. So how? Um, partly, I think 
I think people can fall can sense and fall in love with your passion. Mm. And I think that's always been the, the, you know, people say, well, what makes cookies and dreams different? And that's always like the unspoken thing that can be hard to define. Well, I think people can see and fall in love with our passion. They can see how passionate we are and how excited we get about the cookies and about sharing them with people. Um, and that's always been my goal above all else. I want people to understand and see and fall in love with and care about cookies and get excited about chocolate chips as much as I do. That energy is transferable. And I think yeah. that's the secret behind sales in general is if you truly believe in the thing you're selling, you don't have to put the face on. Yep. And if you're a good person and you, and you believe in the product that you're selling, you really truly believe you're making that person's life better. Yeah. You know, yep. and people, we have the ability to pick up on this. We can read between the lines. We can call out BS. <laughs> yes. We have BS yep. meters. Yep. And we have authenticity meters. Mm-hmm. And when you're in love with the, what you do and you believe in what you're selling, it's people are going to smell. They're literally, they're literally going <laughs> to smell that, you yeah. know, like they're gonna be like, I believe you. I smell your pheromones. Like you're not right. lying to me. You know, it's crazy. We're just starting to begin to learn about how deep that cuts, that, that mm-hmm. reality of just like how we communicate in all these different ways. Uh, so, your passion is what you think you had to, to kind of pull you through it and that people could sense that about you. Uh, so once you started having like paint that picture of what traction started to look like for you. Um, so we announced this cookies and dreams, new concept on social media, went crazy. People were super excited. And then we, I mean, very next day we were selling more cookies and we knew what we do with knew what to do with. And I thought, Oh no, this is, this is, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> so um, it happened very, very, very quickly. Where then, like within a couple of weeks, I was hi- having to hire new bakers and more people to help because it was just me and one other girl baking at the time. Um, so that happened very quickly. And this this was is in twenty twenty. This was in January twenty twenty. So before the pandemic. Right before. Oh. Yeah, like <laughs> literally right before. And then on uh, mid. So exactly like two months later in March, the world shut down, right? For, for the pandemic. And at that point in time, we were going absolutely insane with these cookies, selling out of cookies. We were doing these pop-ups and selling out. We were having people from all over the state contact us about wanting to do pop-ups. We had already signed a lease on our first, our own brick and mortar location. this is before the pandemic. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, so Lots of things here. I, I'm I love the idea of, pan, of pop-ups. Mm-hmm. I want to learn. I think that's a great way to collaborate, get your brand out there. I think I think people think that food trucks are the way to go and farmer markets are the way to go. But the the truth is, there's a far less red tape to get through to do a pop-up. It's a, it's a relationship. It's a friendship yeah, you have with yeah, somebody. That's such a and you're just point. helping people out, right? So what? How did you start getting involved with these pop-ups? Um, I just had this idea to help spread the word about the cookies to do pop-ups kind of the same idea i thought well this was in january so there's not farmers markets we're not getting a food truck like let let's do pop-ups that sounds really fun to work with other local businesses and so we did a couple with local coffee shops a few local um clothing stores um like a local pet shelter and people were lined up like out the door to get these cookies they were crazy popular and we thought we're on to something <laughs> yeah this is this is good so we started scheduling more and more and more throughout the next several months um which unfortunately none of them happened yeah <laughs> so you pandemic. said coffee shops clothes i think the coffee shops to me sounds like a natural pairing like yeah pastries and coffee um you said clothing stores and pet stores um clothing stores yeah our our main um 
our main customer is women. Um, so women love cookies and shopping. So that kind of made sense. Yep. <laughs> and then it was actually um, like a, a pet uh, shelter okay. um, that they raised money for, um, you know, adoptable pets and so stuff like that. So were you like doing like, like dog shaped cookies or anything like that? Were you having fun with it or are you just sticking to what you did? Just sticking to what okay. we did right now. I am a huge animal lover. Oh. Like I have. Three <laughs> that was more for you than for yeah, anybody else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have three dogs, two cats and two horses. Oh wow. And a baby. So, <laughs> uh, so any tips? I mean, I feel like you're, you have a, a the unique privilege with cookies that you don't have to be on site to cook. Mm-hmm. You can cook and bring them and basically just sell at these spots. Yep. Um, but any tips on how to approach people, um, best practices, what you did? Um, at the time, it was a, we offered um, like a percentage of the sales back to okay. the um, whoever we were popping up with, which offered an incentive for letting us come in, which as a new business, like we had only been around for a few weeks, we felt like that was a good deal for both of us. Um, now we have worked with a local bar called the Ridge. And when we made cookies specifically for them only available there that paired with their cocktails. So they felt like they were getting a lot out of it because they get cookies that nobody else can have. And it's very, very exclusive. We can bring both of our customer bases together for a successful event. And that's where the magic is, in my opinion. It's not on the store frontage exposure you're getting. Right. It's on this. It's on. It's literally swinging from one influencer to the next influencer and doing those collaborations online. And it's the, it's the digital frontage that you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. That's really helps you get your brand out there. Right. Totally. Especially with cookies that are so like visually pleasing, like that's going to suck people in. I yeah. Feel like, you know, you yeah. have a very Instagrammable product. Yeah. yeah. That's the idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, so back to the things that you're doing in 2020 before that you were doing pop-ups, what else were you doing? We were just selling cookies out of the restaurant. So okay. at that point in time, we had signed a lease for a brick and mortar. Um, were you selling cookies under the Cookies and Dreams brand or is it just cookies that the restaurant was making? It was under the Cookies and Dreams brand, okay. but we just, because we had a bakery case at the restaurant, so we sold them there at the restaurant under the Cookies and Dreams brand. And you were cooking all these cookies in the restaurant Correct. after hours, right? Yep. Okay. So yeah. you were still there during the day helping run the restaurant mm-hmm. then after you shut the restaurant down, but you were open at night too, weren't you? Yeah. So, but the bakery was more... During okay, the day. Got it. Yeah. So, f- so you do the baking for the cookies? Um, typically, we would still, because we um, we also did cinnamon rolls and okay. some pastries, we would just bake everything at once got it. Um, in the mornings, but the, and then continuously produce more throughout the day. And like, at what rate were you like, would, you, know, you probably might have started with like 50 cookies of each and then maybe 50, 100? Like, yeah. How fast yeah. did that production grow? Oh, it probably grew by at least five times in the first three weeks. Wow. It it was insane. Yeah. It was, I don't think we were realizing exactly what we did and, um, bless her heart, Erin that worked for me at the time that she was my right hand girl in the bakery and she just produced cookies like her little life depended on it. <laughs> and we were just back there just scooping cookies all day long. <laughs> so uh, before the pandemic hit, like we'll say the first week of March, mm-hmm. how many cookies were you baking a day? Um, I would say close to a thousand a day, probably I'm guessing. Yeah. So, um, in, yeah. So in terms of profitability, you learned a lot about menu engineering and how to be profitable. 
going into this project, Cookies and Dreams, how did you bake profitability, pun intended, into the cookies? <laughs> um, the cookies themselves, a lot of baked goods, I think, do have really high profit margins because they tend to be a little bit more labor intensive. Um, the cookies are unique that they're not quite as labor intensive as other pastries. So I kind of built myself a cushion into that um, into the menu on its own where I had a good mix of cookies that were classic and unfilled and just like, you know, like a chocolate chip cookie or a sugar cookie that's basic and cookies that required a little bit more ingredients and labor intensive that were filled and decorated head toppings and stuff like that. So I had a good mix of both that I knew I had a really high profit margin on and some that I knew were going to be really good sellers, maybe didn't have as much of a profit margin. Like a peanut butter cookie. Because, yeah. I mean, where right. does that fall on your list of sellers? Peanut butter? Um, It's not super popular. Really? But our peanut, peanut butter, butter cookie is my favorite cookie of all time. Okay. I'll take it's, your, I'm going to have to try oh, one of those. You're going to have to try it. It's my favorite cookie. It's but so a peanut good. butter cookie would be an example of a cookie that's probably labor not intensive. Correct. Yeah. So you're charging more on those because you're getting a higher return on investment because it's yeah. less work. So you're kind right. of... And you're charging maybe making it less on, say, the like, slutty cook. I can't say that anymore, can I? We're calling it, called? it double trouble. Double. Yeah. We'll get into why you had it. Yeah. I think there's some fun controversy around that. Right. So the double trouble, a.k.a. slutty cookie, um, how much labor is involved with that? That one is a lot. That yeah. one, <laughs> It's two different doughs filled with um, peanut butter and an Oreo, and then it's topped with a little bit of sea salt before it's baked. So that's our most labor intensive cookie for yeah. sure. So yeah. how much are you making on one of those cookies? What's your project? Your profit um, margin? We're making, I want to say, hold on, let me math in my head. You can approximate. Yeah. It's still at a roughly like 26% labor percentage, which is still really good. Yeah. I was going to say it's not bad. Yeah. Really not good. It's like that's between labor 26. percentage you say? Yeah. Okay. What, so for, um, profit. Pro- okay. Sorry. Food costs. Food costs. Yeah. So, um, Mom brain. No, you're, you're doing great. <laughs> um, so I want to say it costs us like 89 cents or something to, to produce. And what are you selling it for? 350. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, then you look at the, the, can you do the same thing with the peanut butter cookie or like your least, our least expensive, expensive cookie, cookie to make is our sugar cookie. And that's about 22 cents. Okay. And we sell that for $3. Great margins. Yep. I love that. Good for you. Um, so, I mean, what's, I think the lesson there is you, 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 bake it in you know how much this is going to cost me down to like the, the like the penny mm-hmm. and then you say i'm gonna you know it's important that i make this much profit and right then, so like why don't most more people do that i think people are afraid of why? um because they want to appeal to the masses number one like back when i in the sweet life my very first bakery i way undercharged myself that's part of why i burnt out so quickly yeah i think that that's like not to bring my story into this but my i started this podcast because my parents owned a restaurant mm. i was super busy and there were lines out the door every weekend and i'm like how are we not like how are we struggling to pay the mortgage like what's yeah. going on here and right. it's because of exactly that we're afraid to charge what things are worth yep you know and it's we we have to stop doing it yep you know we're yeah. we're it's we're we're hurting ourselves yeah <laughs> you know yeah absolutely um, thank you for letting me share that but uh so when did you start really getting super super intentional with your prices and, and knowing your costs like when did that start happening in your life um when we started the cookies because okay. the cookies we very quickly realized was like 
this is, this could be a big deal. So we need to get down and like really figure out exactly where our margins are on this, what we need to be selling. Let's do a lot more forecasting, um, especially during the pandemic. And, you know, then it was a weird mix of having so much more to do because things were really crazy and you had to pivot and having less to do because there wasn't people in your restaurant (laughs) all the time. So it was, that was an interesting time, but, um, it was right around then when we first started the cookies really started costing things out. And then from there, honestly, I didn't do a good job of keeping up with it because I thought, well, look at this great cushion I have. Yeah. I don't really need to. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, which is not wise. So why is that not wise? (laughs) Because things change. What changed? Well, the entire world. (laughs) 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 For starters. Broadly. (laughs) So our ingredient costs have changed a lot since then. Flour has gone up a lot. Yeah. Eggs have gone up a lot. Dairy. Everything. everything. All of your baking supplies. Basically. Yep. Um, And we've also changed our um, purveyors a few times since then. And I still thought, well, the costs aren't that different. Like I still have enough cushion. So I never repriced things. And as we grew and added various packaging, because we do ship our cookies nationwide, I still thought, "Ah, I have enough cushion. And then you're doing so many things. Well, you think I have all this cushion in my pricing and I shouldn't really call it cushion because it's that that's the mistake. Yeah. I mean, even (laughs) cushy pillows seem to be replaced eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's the, that's the mistake right there is that then we're like, well, they're really popular. They have a great profit margin. So let's just go gangbusters on everything. And it's all going really, really well until it's not. Yeah. So until it all catches up. So usually I just jump right over the pandemic um, because I just don't like the, I don't know. I feel like, I don't want to focus so much on the past, but since you like really opened and scaled your business during the pandemic, how do you think that the pandemic galvanized you and made you stronger? What would you, what did you do because of the pandemic that you wouldn't have otherwise done in building out and really forming your business plan? Um, I think the pandemic really solidified and made clear on what makes cookies and dreams Mm -hmm successful and what makes other people want them so during the pandemic nobody had any connection nobody could see anybody else all parties and events and the celebrations were canceled so what did people do in replace of that they gave them cookies yeah very comforting thing very a very desperate time for a need of comfort i guess yes exactly yeah so um it really showed us like where we can focus our marketing and our messaging for the cookies is that this is a source of joy and comfort. And we are part of so many of life's celebrations, both big and small from just like, Hey, thinking about you, here's some cookies to getting married, had a baby graduation, um, that we have been a part of. And so we really, really were shown during the pandemic, how big, um, of an impact that plays in the business. So we've really honed in on that. Yeah. Um, so how are you selling these things after the pandemic? Once people basically couldn't go out of their homes, they couldn't come to your restaurant anymore, which is where I'm assuming you were selling most of your cookies. Mm-hmm. How did you pivot your business to be able to reach your customers? Um, in the state of Iowa, we were still allowed to do like carry out. So this classified as carry out where people could just come in and like pick out some cookies and leave, which also was 
helpful because then it was like people could get out for like a second get out of the house an excuse yeah cookies are always an excuse, an excuse. Yeah. yeah and then we also had online sales and delivery of course which was like the biggest thing what were you pandemic. leveraging for your online sales um we just did it through our pos system and just like we just promoted like you can order cookies online and then we'll have them ready for you to pick up curbside pickup and people took advantage of it it was really really what were you using for your pos um, we were using toast at the time. Okay. And why why did you go with toast? We went with toast at the restaurant because of their reporting features. They have unbelievable reporting features that just have so much insight and knowledge into menu analytics to your servers and cash flow and and it's grown a lot since then even um so that's why we went with toast. Also their online ordering yeah. system is pretty slick. Were you using toast before 2020? We were, okay. um, but we don't use them anymore, actually. Okay. Yeah. Who did you switch to? Square. Okay. Why? Um, we were advised to um, by somebody that didn't know what they were doing, but ultimately, <laughs> that's a long story, but ultimately are happy that we did that because with the cookies, there's not like any prep time, right? Like we don't have to send a ticket back to the kitchen. We don't have to assign a table. We don't have to do any of that. Yeah, so would, it's very simple. I would make the argument that Square is a better POS for a simple operation. Yes, 100%. Uh, there's, you, you just don't need all those features. Yep. If, you're, if you're doing counter service and you have... T- 10 items, yeah. 12 items. It's too much. Right. I think. And we don't need the modifiers yeah. or anything. See like everybody that. out there. I'm not just a toast promoter. Like there's <laughs> other great POS companies out there. Um, Square is like the number two recommended POS on the show, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Toast is the number one. I believe it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, um, I mean, I think that's a really good point. So what, what other reasons did you make the switch to toast or is that just it? Um, or sorry, switch to square. It was, it was that, um, we originally thought that it could sync with an online ordering system with WooCommerce, which is what our website was going to be built on. Okay. Ultimately that turned out to not be the case. And so Square does, does not interface with WooCommerce. Um, I, I guess some of that is a little bit over my head, but I don't believe they do in terms of like, you know how the Toast POS system, it'll just like send orders right to your POS system. Yeah. You get the little yellow bubble in the corner. It tells you, you have an order. It's all good to go. Well, we were looking for something similar with Square and it, the, the integration doesn't work like that. Okay. So but does it work a different way? I think it does for like Square for retail, okay, but not Square for restaurants. Got it. So, because there's like different versions of Square. So, but I feel like you could get away with Square for retail. Yeah, except for on the online ordering piece, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, that's the only piece that I don't think w- will work with that. Got it. So, okay, we got into a little bit of a rabbit hole of technology. Um, back to you scaling your business. So, once the pandemic hit, you could still do pickup through the brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. Um, did the restaurant close? Did you guys, cause we the restaurant closed did, in 2021, right? Yeah. Um, so we still did the restaurant being brew, um, restaurant being baked. Baked. Sorry. Yeah. Um, what was the other one? Brew in the, the village. Sorry. Yep. Lots of things going on. Baked. Yep. So you're still running baked up until 2021 and you start cookies and dreams. Yep. Got it. So that's your business. Those are your businesses. Why did you close baked? Um, many many reasons um so we had baked was just like murphy's law of a restaurant we experienced a flood in 2019 in our hometown that closed the main access point to our restaurant which 
was awful. It was following the very worst winter our town had ever seen. Um, we then had a sprinkler pipe break in our dining room, which flooded the entire restaurant. This is all before the pandemic. Um, the the sprinkler system was right after the pandemic. Oh my goodness, what a rough year! Yeah, <laughs> and then we had the derecho, which closed everything, and we had, we lost all what of our. What was the derecho? It was this huge storm that we had here, and it cut all the power to like the majority of our town for days at a time who is all stuck in their houses. Well, they would have been anyway with the storm, I guess. Yeah. Yep. So, and then we, so we didn't have any power at the restaurants. We lost our entire inventory and, um, it's hard to recover from. Yep. Yep. Did you get any disaster relief for that? We got some insurance for that insurance money, but of course that happens after the fact. So then we have to buy an entirely new inventory while you're waiting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the challenge. Oh. with that and um and then ultimately the cookies had grown so much that my focus was entirely on cookies and dreams and i just did not have the time or, or energy really to focus on baked so it kind of it was just time like yeah it just it wasn't yeah yeah yep. um and i should point out that since that period uh which is we're going what, like a year and a year and three months ago yeah roughly basically because yep. it was 2021 um, this is all happening in 2020, or the yeah. 2020 winter, the 2021 winter. Um, the 2019 winter and then, um, 2019 flood, 2020 pandemic. Okay. And then 2021, one, one. um, fl- uh, sprinkler break. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just one thing after but another. Since 2021, you've scaled to four total cookies and dreams locations. Yes. Uh, yep. that's amazing. Yeah. That's four locations in a little over a year. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about it. How, how did you, <laughs> how did you pull that off? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so kind of going back to what I was saying before, you know, for me, it's about like the product and the passion mm-hmm. and the craft and the creativity. And for my husband, he's like, these cookies are popular. Let's sell a million of them. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and so we do balance each other like that. So he's been kind of p- foot on the gas. Let's go a hundred and twenty miles an hour. And I've been the one that's like trying to catch up a little bit, yeah. um, which has been very very challenging however we have had an absolutely incredible team um here at cookies and dreams where absolutely none of this would be possible without them and people are always asking well how did you do that i didn't the team did well let's get into your team like what's the structure of your organization so a lot of the structure is just now being built um to be a little bit more structured i suppose um it was just me wearing many, 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 many hats for a long time, which is a big weakness for a lot of founders. I think as a founder and as an owner, you think, well, I should be good at everything. I should be able to do everything. That's what a founder should do. Mm. And that's wrong. Yeah. So <laughs> you've learned this now almost like, like, like twice over, right? Yep. From your other experiences. What did you do differently this time? Um, well, we found a Kelly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and what exactly is Kelly's title? So Kelly is a consultant that has come on to help us scale and build us the structure that is needed, the organization, organizational structure that is needed in order to scale. Because I was drowning um, in everything to where it almost was impossible to like, you know, take a second and breathe and see what's needed 
because you can't see what's right in front of you from all of what's happening on a day to day. Yeah. So, so those early conversations. So you, you're telling me Kelly does more than hand me notes saying it's cookies and dreams, <laughs> you idiot, not dreams and cookies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she does it all. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, reflecting back at those early conversations with Kelly where she's really helping you build the organizational chart and organizational structure. What was her first piece of advice to you? She's like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta shed this. What's the, what's the first thing, the second thing, the, the third thing, the fourth thing that you started to shed to create that structure. So you could focus on what you do. Um, we definitely had to streamline and cut down on the, on some of the technology that we were using okay. and, funnel that into better technology that worked More better. Yeah. That worked better for the team. Toast being one. Um, we were going to go with toast and ultimately we still stuck with square. Okay. Um, but we also have had, um, home base as a scheduling system. Yeah. We've, um, implemented a new text message marketing system with tap on it, which okay. is great. Um, they're absolutely fantastic. Um, Mies as a recipe system. I was going to recommend Mies. Mies. I was like, they're a great product. Fantastic. Love me some Josh Sharkey and Mies team over there. They're amazing. Uh, do you know Shark? Did you work directly with Shark or Shark? Josh? Uh, Sharky? Or you're probably at this point they have sales reps. Yeah. yeah I've scaled so. a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, okay. You mentioned the first was home base. Um, the second was uh, the, the, the SMS marketing. Yep. It's called Tap On It. Tap On It. Um, and then Mies, what else? Um, Airtable. I love Airtable. I just yeah. started using it for my podcast. It's amazing. I, mean, I would love to know how you're using it for restaurants. We, yeah. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic because a lot of times in the past, people just keep coming to me. Well, do you have this login? Do you have this person's information? Let's, you know, in this centralizes all of our, or all of our, um, knowledge essentially. Yeah. yeah. So I use it as a checklist essentially. So mm-hmm. I don't know how you would use it as a restaurant. But whenever I have a new guest, there's like, you know, we create these fields and if the field's not filled out, then we're missing something. Ah. So it, it, it like serves as like a natural checklist. Like right. You got to make sure everything's the right color and all like the ah. boxes are filled. Right. If boxes aren't filled, then you're missing something. Gotcha. So, like, so it's really it, nice and visual. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah. That's yep. one thing I really like about it. Anything yeah. else that's worth bringing to the conversation before we start dissecting some of these tools? Uh, Slack has uh, been a big one for our team. Communication. Yep. So of these tools, which one do you really want to like dive into that's been really impactful for you? Um, ooh, they've all been really... Can we talk about Mies? Because yes, I love yes, Mies. I Mies. love Mies. Um, yeah. So how has that, like, how did you find Mies? Um, Kelly recommended them to us yeah. and I looked them up the very next day and I think I had signed up with them like that day. So what was it about <laughs> Mies that really had you excited? Um, I loved how you can scale recipes Mm. and how you can just like edit like a specific ingredient and it auto populates the rest of the recipe. Yeah. You don't have to hire like, like, uh, like formally trained chefs. You can get anybody who doesn't understand the world of measurements. You, Mm -hmm. you, Oh, I have 50 pounds of flour on hand. Well, it looks like we're going to, that's our hard limiter, you know, like let's see how many cookies we can make with 50 pounds of flour. And then it tells you every other, variable that you need yeah right? yep and also the how you can enter videos into the prep method i thought that was like so smart well that was something that i was really curious about because you're talking about training and mm-hmm. how you're trying to do training better i think Mies is probably one of the best back of house training solutions out there uh, because it's not just a list of ingredients it's also the how-to so yep. what, walk us through that functionality 
So the prep method is you can just, you know, write, type it out or enter in, I think it's up to a two minute video showing how to do it. So for us, it's really, really valuable if we're trying to show people how to top a cookie. So various cookies will have a drizzle. And so when I say a drizzle, I know exactly what I mean it to be, but you might think it's something different. Yeah. So that allows us to show exactly number one, how to drizzle and how to top that specific cookie um, or even how to hold a pastry bag, yeah. which to me comes as like, I must've been born knowing how to hold a pastry bag, but yeah. a lot of people don't. So <laughs> I mean, I would say it's just as powerful as like a, a an image, like a photo yeah. of like what the job done right looks like. But I would say the video is stronger because it shows you the process to get there. Yep. And if you can't remember if you went through the training, but you've been like, Oh, it's been three months since I've had to do this because mm-hmm. I'm filling in for somebody. You can watch the video and be like, Oh yeah, I remember. Right. So you don't have to go to something. You're constantly, the, the resources are there for yep, you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, I'm, I'm, you, you mentioned Tapon, which is the first time I've heard of this company. Just real quick, tell me a little bit more about that. So they're um, SMS marketing. They're actually a local company here in Davenport, yeah. um, which is great to support local um, female-owned as well, which Beautiful. is great. Um, so their tap on it text messaging platform is really unique that you have like a you have like a landing page, and then you get people to sign up with let's say we're doing a giveaway. So we're getting users to opt in with like win free cookies for a a year or something to get people's phone numbers. And then they can give us their zip code so then we can target various locations, Mm -hmm. which is really valuable to us as having different locations where if we just want to run some kind of deal in Coralville, we can just target those users. Um, And then the really unique- so you're segmenting by zip code. Yep, Got yep. It. And then you're not doing like geo targeting or anything like that, are you? No, not with not with that. Or like yeah. near what is I can't remember like near proximity. Like it, it's some sketchy shit going on out there. Right yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I've seen that on like what's that um, like directions app? Yeah, Mies. You yeah. can sell like if you're within or so ways. many ways. That's what yeah, I was saying. Ways. We were talking about Mies earlier. Yeah. You know, ways. If you're mm-hmm. within so many miles from a, a sponsor or a marketer, right. it pops up. You're like, hey, you're right around the corner from Cookies and Dreams. Yeah. You must be hungry. Right. And you love cookies. <laughs> yeah. Come on by. Right. Yeah. Like, how did you Weird. know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm loving the conversation. I'm just looking at the time. I can't believe how fast time is going by. Is there anything we have not discussed um, over the past two years especially or three year yeah two year two years mm-hmm. anything that has just been like a huge lesson for you um things that you've started doing differently that just had been completely game changing aside from hiring a kelly <laughs> <laughs> um you know another thing i will say that has been really valuable is we hired and outsourced an it company which is really unique i think partly to our business because with being online and having shipping online and having multiple locations, there's more technology needs and also technology implementation can be challenging with a growing team and a growing business. So it's, um, a business called break bread, it consulting, um, women owned as well, which is great. And they, 
um, are your like IT resource for restaurants and hospitality groups. Nice. So they can, they're also implementing an inventory system for us right now called Craftable with okay. Foodager. Yep. Um, and so they're doing the Both entire past sponsors of the show. Great oh, companies. really? Yep. That's awesome. Um, so they're doing the entire implementation and then we'll handle all of the training for our team on it as well, which is like a huge weight off of our team's shoulders. Like we need to be focused on making cookies. That's what we do here at Cookies and Dreams is yeah. make cookies. Let's allow the people who do IT to do IT. I love it. Um, let's give Kelly an official shout out. What's what's <laughs> let's get, name her company too. Yeah. So Fems and Food is Kelly's company and she is a consultant for women and female owned food and beverage businesses um, originally from LA, but now in Iowa. Um, sorry about that, Kelly. Iowa is still, <laughs> still cool because of cookies and dreams. Iowa's <laughs> really like oh, LA, New York, the big cities are overrated. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you the future is in the smaller cities. Uh, Kelly is just a, she's a, what's the word I'm looking for? She's um, ahead of her time. A visionary. A visionary. She's there we go. Of, out of the curves for yes. sure. Kelly, do you want to yell? Do you want to hop in? Do you want to say anything? Just make a noise. She's here. She's here. Um, thank you for giving her an official. And thank you for your help in setting this up, Kelly. She was very helpful. Um, anything else? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so. There's a lot. There's a lot there, no matter what. That's hard to get from any conversation or any one podcast, you know, but because it's just such a wild ride and it's been such a crazy few years. But um, I think those are really the, the main points. Yeah. I've loved the conversation. Um, and before we go to the speed round, I tried to focus on this idea or I try to put the focus on the mission statement to inspire, empower and transform the industry. Uh, so what do you think we could be doing better? How could we transform the industry even more? Where do we need transformation right now in your opinion? But what has to change? Honestly, I think mental health, Mm. um, is such a big deal in our industry. There's incredibly high levels of um, mental health issues, substance abuse issues in our industry. And I think a lot of the reason why is because we do work insane hours. We, what's demanded of us is insane. And then we're one of the only industries where if you make a mistake, you have a bad day. The entire internet knows. Yeah. I was wondering (laughs) if you were going to talk about that, the internet. Um, What what do you mean by that specifically? Um, You know, like if somebody makes a mistake, like just a human error on on something um, and, you know, the cookie is is wrong or bad or something and somebody has a bad experience, well, some people are going to write a review or put it on Facebook or come after you. You know, some people will be, not everybody, of course, there are good people in the world, but you'll find people that will then write a review and that affects your bottom line. It's dehumanizing. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, like we talk about a lot of like what's unprecedented mm-hmm. when we point to the pandemic, everything about our freaking world right now is unprecedented. Yeah, that's so like, true. like everything has yes. never happened before. Yep. And, uh, and especially the way we interact with each other and mm-hmm. we engage with each other, it dehumanizes us. So yeah. like, when would you ever look somebody in the face and be like, your cookies are shit, right? Like you just wouldn't Seriously. do that. Yeah. You know, and I think we forget how much that affects people, mm-hmm. you know, and how much that brings us down. And like, we, 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 we get it from all angles. Yep. You know, I, yeah. I don't want to put words in your mouth. What anything else that I'm not saying that you want to say? Um, I mean, truthfully, that's really been one of the most challenging parts for me personally is because I do care about this so much that then when I do hear about things like that, 
it just like breaks me down. Yeah, your like, cookies aren't shit, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or if there's a mistake that was made and somebody's upset or has a bad experience, like there were times where I would just like lose it. Like yeah. my mental health just like went down the drain and it was yeah. so tied to what like the public would think about the cookies. So what's your solution for that? Um, partly um, separating yourself a little bit, like find somebody to run your social media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you kind of have to. You, I think you absolutely do. Yeah. You know, like yep. if, if the receiving end wants to dehumanize the experience, mm-hmm. then I think the, the pitching end, the, the giving end needs to be like, okay, I'm going to put a wall up. Yep. You know, yeah. and I hate to say it, but like that's exactly what I've done. Mm-hmm. Point in case right here, we have Savannah and Sam. I think it's important to stay in your lane, to, to do what you do, mm-hmm. to be interesting enough that people are that you that you can outsource social media and just yep. focus on doing your work right and and letting other people showcase what you do yeah. you're also creating opportunity for other people too yeah, yeah. and you're unplugging mm-hmm. and you're just doing you and you're not yep. getting any of that stuff you're just it's so much better the noise yep absolutely it's yeah. so good thank yeah. you for saying that uh from bringing that to the to attention i think it, i am 100 percent on board anything else um i mean Ultimately, we also, you know, kind of continuing on that, we kind of made a stand on that with Cookies and Dreams too in the past where during the pandemic, we were getting some really unhappy people and we made a public statement about uh, that. Does this have anything to do with your cookie name? Um, no, it doesn't actually. Okay. But um, <laughs> but we had people that were just being really, really rude to our staff at one location in particular. And so I came out and made a public statement like from me and I said, if people were upset about us having a mask policy, like you uh, were required to wear masks and, um, and we made it like being rude to our staff is not acceptable and yeah. will not be allowed. Yeah. Like that's, please don't come back. Let's well, break up. Like yeah. you can come back, but come back with a better attitude. <laughs> yeah. Like come eat cookies. It's cookies for goodness sake. Uh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> so, um, so I think also like being proactive on that front as well, like, setting boundaries and letting standing up for your staff because your staff are on the front lines and your staff are the ones that are, you know, like I said, I didn't do all this. Like people keep asking me, how did you do this? I didn't. We all did. Yeah. I love that mentality. Mm -hmm. Steph, it's been a blast making an example of you sharing your story. We're going to take one more quick break and we're going to bust out a true speed round. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission-free online ordering system and food ordering app helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering. This is because Chow Now helps restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. Here's how it works. Chow Now clients get listed on the free Chow Now marketplace. Once they're there, they can meet new customers and take unlimited commission-free orders through Chow Now's app and site. There is no setup fee or monthly payment. Now, this is what I really love about Chow Now. You get access to valuable customer data, which allows you to personalize the experience and the relationship with your guest. In other words, you own the relationship with your guests, something not all third-party ordering apps can claim. And we cannot wrap up this message without telling you about how to level up with Chow Now Direct. Chow Now Direct is Chow Now's comprehensive online ordering and marketing 
package. With Chow Now Direct, you get your own branded ordering app for iPhone or Android, email and print marketing, plus POS integration, and much more. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy 30% off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up at www.chownow.com slash unstoppable. That's chownow.com slash unstoppable. Find out why past guests like Tender Greens and Kava are using Play IQ for their accounts payable automation and expense management solution. Yes, you heard me right. Play IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Play IQ card. With Play IQ card, there is no credit card check, no minimum balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card easily. And I've got to let you know that with play IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. That's pretty great. Now I've told you what's new with Play IQ, but you can't forget about all the other features you get with Play IQ, like bill pay and incredible insights and approval of hierarchies. With bill pay, you can seamlessly flow from invoice upload to paying your bill, and this is all happening online, so no more paper checks. Play IQ bill pay lets you see what's due when, and you can pay by check ACH or Play IQ card. Also with Play IQ bill pay, you can say goodbye to escrow. That's right, no more flow. In other words, no money leaves your account until it's received by the vendor. We've gotta talk about Play IQ Insights too, because I mean, insights are so important. There's insights to allow you to compare spend by item, vendor, time, period, and location. Man, I love some insights. You can even set alerts. For example, if a price goes outside your agreed contract terms, boom, you get an alert. And then lastly, there's Play IQ custom approval workflows. Only see the invoices you need to, no more duplications of efforts, and no more hunting down approvers. To learn more, head to www.playiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, save 25% off implementation. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Um, epically curious. Ooh, I like that one. Mm-hmm. What is your biggest weakness? Trying to do too much. Ooh, I hear that too. <laughs> what is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're l- building your team, when you're interviewing? Um, positive vibe mm. or just uh, like a good vibe. Good. It's, it's like an unspoken it's like an thing. energy that you're Yeah, like an for? energy. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Uh, what is it? your biggest challenge today? Probably being a new mom. Yeah. We didn't get to talk about that. I was kind of hoping to talk about that because I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. Sure. Uh, especially I feel like there's a, a more and more leaders, female leaders in, in the industry, you mm-hmm. know, uh, which is a good thing. Absolutely. But we need to continue to move in that direction. But what is it like to be a leader into, to, to have such a big event in your life happen? Um, it's honestly, it, so there's two sides of that coin. Partly, 
like all of my experience with the restaurants and like having to do so many things has been really good training for having a baby. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're making sure the systems are in place. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, yeah. But also it's challenging because when you're trying to do something and be focused, like you have distractions because the baby's crying, he needs a new diaper, he's got to get fed, he didn't sleep at all last night. Oh my you know, We only heard him just a little bit today. Yeah and, I, yeah. and I was like, oh, this poor woman must be wanting to go <laughs> console her baby so bad right It's now. okay. You, you didn't even flinch. Right. I love it. Uh, keep going. Um, yeah, it's just been, you know, as I start my day and I'm like, all right, I'm going to, you know, get this, this and this done. Well, then he doesn't want to go down for a nap the entire morning. So you really have to learn to be flexible and also rely again on your team, which goes back to surrounding yourself with the best people. I love that. Uh, what is one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team, a way to be a way to act a core value? Um, I would say assume positive intent. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Um, something that's similar that I like to echo is perception is reality. I love that. Yeah. Love that. It's powerful. It is. Uh, what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So a way to be like, uh, or sorry, a way to serve your guests that is common within your cookies and dreams locations, but not common throughout the industry. Um, we always like to say guests instead of customers mm. because customers um, infers transactional mm. and we like to say this is an experience. There yeah. are guests in yeah. our cookie home yes. um, and also um, trying to doing our best to stay away from things like no worries, no problem. Why? Because nothing is a guest worry mm-hmm. or problem. It insinuates that there could be, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Uh, what is one book that's a must read to make a better person or a restaurant owner? Um, setting the Table mm-hmm. is a great one. Um, and then I also just started this book called The um, the No Rules Rules About Netflix, okay. which is kind of where that assumed positive intent has yeah. come from. It's really, really interesting. I love yeah. that book. You mentioned Danny Meyer too, and, and he's famous for saying, who said I can't? Yeah, you yeah. Know, like who said yeah. I couldn't? He uses mm-hmm. a, a few examples of like where that comes in, but like zigging, you know, like mm-hmm. you don't have to do what everyone else is doing. You can do different things. Yep. And different things are going to set you apart. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough? Um, I think you know. I was thinking about this. I think that there can be a lack of, um or not a strong emotional intelligence among restaurateurs mm-hmm. where you get so focused on processes and systems and profitability and turning tables and stuff like that, that you can lose that emotional intelligence that really comes into play with marketing yeah. and with your staff. What is emotional intelligence to you? Um, that's a good question. Cause it's so all encompassing. I think it's a hard I'm, one. I'm to happy define. that you recognize that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I think a lot of people instantly think they think emotional intelligence, empathy, yeah, it's not just empathy though. Yes. Yeah. That's what a, else is it? Explain this. I think it's it's the energy, it's that yeah. vibe. Um, you know, when you're interviewing somebody and you can catch and get their vibe and read through the lines a little mm-hmm. bit and also be mindful and being paying being paying attention. Um to <laughs> words are hard. <laughs> you're doing awesome. Um paying attention to people's um body language the low road of communication yeah the, yeah, yeah. and things being, that aren't being said with words but everything else exactly yeah. yeah and i think 
women tend to be really strong on their emotional intelligence. Generally, that's not across the board, which is, I think, really valuable as an industry. Getting more women in leadership positions, I think, could be really valuable on the mental health level for sure. Yeah. Because then you can read between those lines and see when somebody maybe needs a mental health day or yeah. needs to take a break. I think a lot of, there's a lot of confusion and I don't want to get into detail with this, but I think there's a lot of confusion that people think emotional intelligence is being more emotional towards people and having more feelings. Yeah. There's th- That's a part of it sure. that works into it, but that's not everything. Yeah. So please know the meaning of emotional intelligence before you start just saying people need to have more empathy and that will solve right. all the problems. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think there can be too much. I don't want to put, like, that's another conversation for another day. Next question. Uh, <laughs> name one service you've hired or outsourced. Um, the IT company um, with the Break Bread Consulting. Um, and then the um, Kelly, of course. Yeah. She's awesome. <laughs> yep. Um, what is one piece of technology you've recently adopted within your restaurant that's had a huge impact on communication, profitability, or anything along those lines? Um, the text message marketing with tap on it has yeah. really been a big deal for us. It's, we've been able to grow our customer base and communicate Do you know by how much and what time um, we've been able to grow it by almost 4,000 people in like three weeks. Wow. Yeah. So where were you before 4,000 zero Jeez. <laughs> in four weeks you went from zero email uh, text message e- phone numbers yeah, to 4,000. Num- mm-hmm. That's awesome. So um, yeah, it's a really cool I've heard a stat that like, text message SMS has a 97% open rate mm-hmm. versus a good open rate in email is like 25%. Yep. You're doing okay if you're getting 25% open rate. Yep, exactly. No brainer. Yeah. Yeah, awesome stuff. Uh, this is the last question. Are you ready for it? Ears Uh-oh. open. It's a good one. All right. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind. For the good of humanity and for your legacy, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? Imagine you're leaving this behind to your, your new baby boy. Oh, my goodness. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? Um, I think it would be don't lose sight of what you're passionate about. One. Um, the don't try and do everything by yourself. Two. And be mindful of the emotional intelligence it takes to... Um, manage people and exist within the world. Steph Sellers, this has been an amazing conversation. That horn is backing me up right now, too. <laughs> um, man, I, I, we wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. So who do you respect and admire and you believe would make a great guest mentor like you made for us today? Call them out. Um, I would say um, there's a local winery called Wide River Winery. Okay. Um, women owned and run. Her name is Dorothy and um, she is a wonderful sweet lady and it's you don't see a lot of women winemakers all the time especially here in the midwest um they also have a legal background so all of their wines are like named after like laws or you know like have criminal names and stuff but um it's entirely women owned and ran and just a really cool uh business they have multiple locations as well awesome look out dorothy from wide river winery i'm coming after you i'd love to get you on the show and how can we connect if we are feeling inspired by you maybe we're we're starting a a cookie shop too 
and we want you know some more inspiration or we have questions or maybe we want to come join your team and work with you because you're just that awesome <laughs> yes um come join our team for sure um our website is a great place to start it is idreamaboutcookies.com um and we have links to all of our social media on there our contact information you can apply to work with us be a part of the dream team as we like to call it yeah. can so. i link to your instagram account Drop it on us. It is also I Dream About Cookies. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I, I called you Stephanie. I hope you don't mind. I'm okay. first Steph. <laughs> Stephanie Sellers, there is no question. You are unstoppable. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as well. Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to Regarding Hers, Dina Sampson, for introducing us to Kelly Valentine, who introduced us to Steph Sellers. And we're actually going to be getting Callie, uh, sorry, Callie, Kelly Valentine on the show. It turns out this lady really knows her stuff when it comes to scaling, branding, and using pop ups to scale in test concepts and brands. So we're going to be talking about that on Wednesday at 3 uh, 30 p.m. earlier. In the day, Wednesday of this week, we're going to be talking to Jack Piper as well. So Jack, he was on the show last week. Uh, after the recording, this is something I'm trying to do on all my recordings. I'm having my guests give us a tour of their facility, and I'm unearthing more information, more knowledge. We're recording all that. You can subscribe over at youtube.com slash Unstoppable if you want to see that B-roll and, and see all that extra footage we're getting. Uh, but during that tour, we got to see his production and packaging and shipping facility for all the barbecue sauce they have. They started locally four years ago and um, they've scaled to uh, be on Amazon and also now they're on gold belly. So uh, we're going to learn how he scaled, what he learned about consumer product goods and getting onto Amazon, things that you need to consider if you are trying to maybe uh, leverage these verticals as well. So that's going to be Wednesday at 1030 a.m. and would love to have you be a part of those conversations. And when you are a part of the conversation, you're supporting the show. So head over to Restaurant Unstoppable Network and join uh, the network. Make your profile RSVP to these events and literally join the conversation. Uh, other ways you can support this show, guys, you can support our sponsors. You can use our affiliate links. You can share this podcast with everybody and anybody you know. And like I already mentioned, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel where we're really putting a lot of energy into to growing that and scaling that. And your subscriptions do help. Before we say goodbye, I want to say special thanks to SavAndSam.com for helping me capture this video content and promote this content. And special thanks to Jared Parisi over at Sumadre for his amazing editing skills. Can't do it without you guys. All right, that's it for today. Until next time, peace out.